So Father, I just thank you so much that um, you're present, you're present with us, you're present when we gather, you're present when we draw our attention uh, to you, when we draw near to you, Father, you draw near to us. And I just pray right now that um, the words that I speak would um, uh, be yours. And any words that I speak that are mine, Father, they would just fall to the floor, worthless. But the ones that are from you would pierce our hearts and uh, seed your purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this, was, this is going to be a fun message, I hope. If it's not a fun message, you can complain to the editor uh, at um, charlie at abidingplace.us. <laughs> I'll still hear about it, but you can complain to the editor. Um, I you know, was asked to speak, and I said, of course, because I enjoy speaking. This happened. There it is. Sorry, I was about to say, this happened last time. My notes disappeared. Um, I said yes, and immediately I heard God say, read Galatians. And so, you know, okay, let me read Galatians. And a really good book, really fun book. And what I, what I realized uh, reading it was, man, I remember a lot from Galatians, but it's from the uh, probably chapter four on. I really don't remember chapter one through three so much. Chapter four and on is you're talking about bear one another up in love. You're talking about the, the uh, gifts of the, 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 the fruits of the spirit. And it's like, oh yeah, I, I know this. Um, but it took, me, uh, it, it took me by surprise because reading one through three, I was like, wow, I don't hear about this enough, I, I don't think. And, and part of this was he said, read Galatians. And I said, okay, and I hadn't read it yet. But that week I was driving in my car and the Lord just dropped something in my heart and in, in my mind. And he said, just laws don't create just people. They just create criminals. And I was like, whoa. And I, I got home and I said, Alyssa, I just heard this. How does this sound? Just laws don't create just people. They just create criminals. I, I just really, I said, what, how does that and I was like, maybe we, we had a home group that night. And I said, maybe I'll bring it up at home group. And Alyssa was like, don't bring it up at home group. Uh, <laughs> she was like, just sit on it, study that out. And I was like, okay. And so that was really on my heart. And I was pondering and thinking that. And then I read Galatians. Guys, the first three chapters of Galatians is talking about the law. And it's really interesting. So let me give you the context of Galatians. Uh, so what the church is new, um, you have the apostles that are mainly focused on, in Jerusalem, and then you have other people outwards doing stuff, Paul's around. Um, and Paul had preached to the city of Galatia and preached to the Galatians and saved a number, and so now he's writing this letter to them. And he starts off just on fire, spit and fire, just from the beginning. Because he introduces himself, he very quickly, uh, Paul always introduces himself, and he almost always introduces himself as an apostle appointed by Christ. Almost always he reaffirms his position. But he does that, and he says, appointed by Christ, not any man. And then the next thing is a rebuke against what's happening in Galatia. What have I heard that you're doing? Who has led you astray? He comes out spit and fire. 
And the issue was, and this was a very large issue, this is one of the growing pains of the early church. You see, when, when Jesus rose from the dead, you suddenly had this energized group of believers that he walked with for a while before he ascended, and he really energized them, and, and he said, spread my message, right? And they did that to the Jews. They spread it to God's people, the Jews. And then we all know, because we use it in all these different contexts, but Peter had this dream one time, and, and some, a blanket, he was sleeping in a blanket full, uh, uh, with animals, descended and God said kill and eat and he said no those are unclean animals I'm I'm a Jew in good standing I'm I follow your law and it happens three times and and he says no 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 and God finally says don't you know call what I have called clean don't call unclean and he was doing this because what had happened was is the Holy Spirit had fallen on Gentiles we all know Gentiles that's us we're we're Gentiles unless you have Jewish ancestry we're Gentiles uh Holy Spirit fell and Peter was confused by this why would God do that to Gentiles, it, which is always weird to me, because Peter was with Jesus, so G Peter was there when the Samaritan got, you know, woman got touched, when, when the, uh, cent uh, the centurion's uh, son got healed, like he was there, he saw God perform miracles among unbelievers, but he was so shocked when the Holy Spirit filled these unbelievers, and he had this dream, and he came to this revelation, Peter did, this revelation, this is not just for Jews, this is for everyone. And then we, we know that, you know, a little bit later, Paul, who was Saul, was persecuting the Christians. And, and, and on the way to Damascus, on the road to Damascus, he got struck by a visitation of Jesus. And Jesus called him and sealed him. And, and, and there's a whole story there. But we all know that Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. Well, that was a big issue then. You had these Gentile believers and you had these Jewish believers and there was tension. Do the Gentile believers have to follow Jewish law? Do they have to follow Jewish law? And this was a big deal because you might know this naturally, but Gentiles um, didn't follow the law. Jews followed the law. And one of the aspects of the law was a little thing, minor thing called uh, circumcision. Um, you know, for some of you guys, for probably half of the people not a big deal. Half the people I'm talking to, a little bit more of a big deal. Especially if you aren't circumcised and you're an adult and you suddenly join this, this new faith and they say, oh, you have to get circumcised. <laughs> That's kind of, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. I can see it in the crowd and I can feel it. Um, so it was a big deal. And then also just all the, 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 the change in a Gentile's life if they suddenly had to follow every Jewish custom and every Jewish law. There was this tension. So what happened was Paul came and Paul preached the gospel of faith, preached that the way to salvation was through Jesus, your righteousness was through your belief in the work that Jesus did. That's what he taught. That was his gospel. And he taught that and people were saved and he left. And someone came in and started teaching. That's all great. But to truly be saved, you have to start following the law. And so he heard about this, and he's writing this letter, very upset about it. And he starts off by um, explaining and, and giving you his credentials. So if you guys want a really shortened history of the uh, Apostle Paul, read Galatians, because uh, he goes through it. The first three chapters of Galatians, 
he goes through uh, Galatians 1, he does his bona fides. He goes, this is how I was saved. This is where I went. This is what I did. And he stressed very much that he didn't get approval. He didn't get sanction from the apostles. He didn't need it. He was called by God. And he says, but I did eventually go to them and share what we were doing, and we all agreed it was right, and they then acknowledged me as an apostle to the Gentiles. So he gives his bona fide saying, this is what I am. But what happened in there, in that interaction was, after he had done that, he went back to Antioch, which was kind of his home base, Paul's home base. Peter had come and visited, and when Peter had visited and hung out with all of them, Peter hung out with the Gentiles. And he, he lived, and, and he, he lived with them, and he worked with them, and he ministered to them. And then some other Jewish believers sent by James, the head of the church in Jerusalem, when they came, Peter started withdrawing from the Gentiles and started to only hang out with the, with the Jews. And uh, Paul saw this, and this is one of the famous things. It actually is a big deal because sometimes we deify the apostles. We somehow make them perfect, which is, you know, makes sense. We're reading their writings and, and sometimes we can be like, wow, they did no wrong. God bless them so much. This is actually an awesome, awesome story where in Galatians 2, Paul talks about going to uh, Jerusalem, going before the council, going before the apostles and rebuking um, Peter. And there's a couple parts. So if you're, you're following along in your uh, Pick Your Own Adventure book that we call the Bible, um, you, you want to go to Galatians 2, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Galatians 4. And this is, um, this is Paul talking to Peter and to the apostles. He said, uh, Yet there was a concern because of the false brothers secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy on our freedom, which we have in Christ, in order to enslave us. So right now, you, right there is very strongly word where he goes, any believer that's coming into our fellowship but is claiming we have to follow the Jewish law, they're coming in to spy on our freedom so that they can enslave us once again back to the law. You see, Paul is writing, writing this letter to combat this, this heresy that's forming. He's, and he starts out by establishing his credentials. We get an overview when it comes to the rebuke. And so if you jump down to 15, this is Paul uh, directly talking to Peter. And starting in 15, he said, we are Jews by nature, meaning him and, and Peter. We are Jews by nature and not sinners from the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since, the works of the, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. Now what's really really important here is you got to understand in this he is talking directly to peter and peter is the one who actually brought the first revelation god gave the first revelation that this was for everybody not just the jews to peter and now here's paul having to correct peter and talking to him as in we have established and we know by no work of the law will flesh be justified and he goes, but if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Far from it. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I have proven myself to be a wrongdoer. So he is talking to Peter when he's saying this. That's a confusing segment of scripture for a lot of people. And I just want to break that down really quick because it's really important. What does that mean? First, 
Paul is talking to Peter. So he says, if we who are justified by Christ's sin, uh, sin here is simply defined as not obeying the law. That's what he means by sin. You know that because in verse 15 he says, we are Jews by nature and not sinners from the Gentiles. The thing that makes the Gentiles sinners is they don't follow the Jewish law. But them being Jewish following the law don't qualify as sinners. He goes, but if we are not sinners by nature because we are Jews, but we know the law does not bring us salvation, what does? Our belief. So we know that. We seek our justification in Christ. But if we do that, and we still sin, does that mean Christ condones sin? No, it doesn't. And when he says, for if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a wrongdoer, what he's talking about is, if I am saying that I am saved through faith, that I am made righteous through faith, but I then go back to observing the law as my source of righteousness, it is not God overseeing that. It is not God causing that. It is me. And because I'm rebuilding what I destroyed, I'm rebuilding, think about it this way, I'm rebuilding the cage that I was in. Okay? Um, I prove myself to be a wrongdoer. If I go back to the law, the, me and Alyssa were talking about this yesterday, and he's saying, if I'm justified by faith, but I go back to the law, what does the law tell me? And he explains this later, but I'm going to give you the, the, the cheating, huh? Yeah, I'm going to give you the cliff notes. What he says later on is he goes, the law is there to tell you you are a sinner. The law is there to lead you to Christ, to show you the need. So if I go back to the law, all the law tells me is I'm a sinner, and that's on me, because I went back into the cage. So he continues in verse 19, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Chapter 3 he goes even further, and this is one of the things where I'm like, he was really upset. Uh, I, he was really, really upset by all of this. And, and it's a really good thing to be upset with. He, in ver chapter 3 of Galatians starts, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Christ Jesus was publicly, be publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing from faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in, in vain? So then does he who provides you with the spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing by faith? He gets really, really passionate in this book. And so I would encourage you guys, again, I did this last time, read Galatians it's, and read it understanding. This is an upset man. <laughs> this is a passionate man. Later on, he goes, you can tell how I feel because I'm writing in my own hand which he didn't do often. He typically um, dictated to a scribe. I'm writing in my own hand, and he literally says, look at the size of my letters. <laughs> it's like if you're writing a letter, and for emphasis, you start writing all caps. You know, have you ever any wrote a letter where you're so, you're breaking the nib of your pencil, you're that passionate? He calls them foolish. He says, who's bewitched you? He even says, whoever taught you this false teaching should be emasculated. 
That is how passionate he's, he gets about this. And I'm, so I'm talking to the Lord, and I'm like, what, what is that, like how, and, and why is this important? What are you trying to, what's, what's the um, application for today? And I felt like the Lord said, my people run to the security of the law, not the security of me. And I just want to challenge you guys. We talk about religion all the time um, because we understand the law very well in the context of the law um, in, in, in the sense of rules. And so in the sense of the church, our church structure, we think about this and we go, of course the law is bad. Of course that's, we call that religion. We don't want religion. We want the spirit. We want the freedom that comes with Christ. I want to challenge you guys. Charlie spoke a couple of weeks ago about redemption and he took you on a path and he said first you are redeemed to god and then you go through your life and god redeems your past and then you begin to redeem your family and your relationships and i want to take it another step further then you start redeeming the systems around you you start redeeming culture. You start redeeming the atmosphere. You start redeeming the, the, the principles that you're around. If we really want to get to that point, we need to stop living by the law and we need to put the law in the correct place because I think sometimes when we talk about redeeming culture, a lot of us say, yes, if we can just pass that law, if we can just pass this rule, if we can just get the right people elected, if we can just get the, the, the right wording, if we can just make that behavior illegal, that will fix everything. And it doesn't. It doesn't fix everything. I'm telling you, a just law does not create a just heart. It creates a criminal. Because all a just law says is you are not being to the standard. Does that mean we should get away with just laws? Just do away with laws? Of course not. Laws are important. Paul says the law is there to lead me to Christ. The law is their first standard. So, of course, we want just laws. I'm not saying forget just laws. But I think a lot of us settle and our security comes in. I don't like this behavior. I don't like that um, thing that's happening in culture. I want a law to protect me from it. And so what we actually do is when we, we do that, we actually are deciding, I'm going to step back into that cage. Paul says, if, if you want to live under the law, you can. But the, all the law will do is make you a criminal. All it will do is kill you. All it will do is condemn you. You'll live under a curse. That's Paul. But if you say, I want to live by the Spirit, when you are confronted with that situation, when you're confronted with that culture that, that you're unsure about, or you're, you're pretty sure that culture violates the principles of God. You don't think about a law to protect you from it. You don't think about a law to protect your country from it or your state. You think, how can I bring the presence of God? How can I bring the love of God? How can I redeem that culture back? Me and my wife were talking about a culture um, she just found out somebody that she was really enjoying um, is a homosexual. And she, can I share this? I, I, we talked about it, and I, I, we talked about it, kind of jokingly said I would share it. I uh, should get permission. 
uh, she found out this person was homosexual and she kind of had this interesting reaction to it. And I kind of stopped her and I said, uh, what, what did you say? You said, uh, I'm being really churchy about it. And I said, yeah, very judgmental. <laughs> uh, and, and, it was, and she received it really wonderfully. Because I was like, okay, calm down. Yeah, that person is now part of this culture that you have disagreements with, that you have a very valid belief about, biblical belief about. But that doesn't mean you suddenly go, oh, I can't stand that person. Oh, everything they've done is, is, is invalidated. No, that's, that's the, that is a law perspective. A grace perspective, a faith perspective says, I need to shift my thinking and I want God in that person's life. I want God in that culture. I want to go and redeem people from that, not create a law to make that behavior illegal. Who was justified by any work of the law? Nobody. Because the law only dictates your behavior. It does not dictate your heart. What I love about um, God and what I love about what Paul does in chapter 3 of Galatians, he really lays it out and he goes before the law and he actually talks about the Abrahamic covenant and it says, you know, he talks about the, the, the promise that all nations would be blessed through your seed and he goes, you got to understand something. This is Peter's, or this is Paul's interpretation of that. He goes, that promise says seed, meaning one, not seeds, meaning many. The seed promised to Abraham was Jesus. He goes, that was a promise that God made. The law then came. Does the law supersede the promise? No. So what's the law there? The law is to show us that we can't do it on our own so that we go back to the original promise See, Abraham was not justified because he followed the law. The Bible says Abraham was justified through faith. And through Abraham's faith, he was credited as righteousness. That's the promise that God is showing in Abraham. And he says, one day through your seed, which is Jesus Christ, I am going to open the door for everyone to, to have a pathway to me. The law was just there to show us we can't do it. And we need Jesus. When we start using the law as our faith, when we start using the law as our protection, we are moving away from that faith, we're moving away from that spirit, and we're moving to captivity. Because if I obey any part of the law, all of the law applies to me. I give up the freedom. I give up the grace. I give up the um, liberty I have in Christ. I did a message years ago now, maybe two years ago, maybe a year ago, I can't remember, and it's a, it was a message called, A Field Called Liberty. <laughs> and the premise, the point in that was to explain that one of the problems we have as Christians is we get to the cross and we, you know, the way is narrow and, and hard to get to salvation. And we, we believe those verses and we get to salvation, we get to the cross and we sit there we just stay right there. And yes, the, the way is, is, is narrow. The, the, there's one way, narrow way to get there. But once you get to the cross and once you pass through the cross and accept his salvation, accept his forgiveness, this field opens up called liberty. We need to understand that. We need to run into that field. We need to find our place and we need to 
plant our, our tent. When we start shifting, when we start going to the law, when we start relying on the regulating someone's behavior before we touch their heart, we're, into, we're actually judging ourselves and we're leaving that field of liberty and we're entering that cage of captivity. How many of you guys know um, or remember or know of the verse, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? This is, this is the book that comes from. The context of that verse, we talk about sin and it's very true. A little sin leavens the whole thing. The context of that verse is actually this heresy, this lie that says, I have to follow the law to be justified. That's the leaven that's, that gets through the whole dough. And I see that in our lives, and I see that in my life. I see where I get critical, and I get judgmental, and I get um, more about the structure than about the person, and I go, wow, that starts reducing my love for that person. I start seeing um, an issue. I start seeing a judgment, not a person, not a face. Galatians 5 verse 9 is a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. But if you just go a little bit further into verse 13, he says, for you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. And here's where people object. And so this verse is going to answer this objection because people object to this. We have to have laws. We have society has to have laws. We have to have laws. It'd be anarchy without it. Are you saying I just do whatever I want? Sloppy grace, all that stuff. No, I'm not saying that. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For those are in opposition to one another, in order to keep you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then it talks about, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, indecent. It's a whole list. And then it goes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. I'm not saying act however you want because God covers you in grace. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you walk by the Spirit. You lean into the Spirit. You obey the Spirit's prompting, which, by the way, the Spirit is going to say, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. I love it. It says love your neighbor. So much of the Bible actually is talking to Christians about how they are supposed to interact with other Christians. That's really something we kind of forget when we read our Bible. Most of it is talking to Christians about acting towards other Christians. So I love when we start talking about love God and love your neighbor. Because when the Bible is talking about neighbor, the Bible is talking about anybody that you come in contact with. It's not just talking about the people that live one house next to you and one house next to you and across the street. It's talking neighbor means anybody that you come across, and it actually means not just Christians. Anybody you come across is your neighbor, and you must love them as you love yourself. So if I'm walking in the Spirit and I'm walking in love, I can tell that. 
I can tell because I'll have the fruit of love. And the fruit of love is that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, that goodness, that faithfulness, gentleness, the self-control. And I love it. Against these things, there is no law. What does that mean? It means if I have these things, I am following. I am living a holy life. I am living a good life. The law cannot hold me. I am not guilty of anything under the law if I am living like that. If we live by the Spirit, this is verse 25, let us follow the Spirit as well. And this isn't easy. This isn't an easy thing to do. I'm not going to try and say it's easy. We get, we've been taught, we've been indoctrinated to really, really want to create rules. And not only that, we naturally as humans, you know, we normalize our own behavior. And so really the definition of weird is anything that I don't do which is funny because I don't do a lot of things. So there's a lot of people doing perfectly wonderful, amazing things that are, is a little weird to me. I remember when I first um, got saved, I got saved at New Song, and New Song was a charismatic evangelical church, and it was before I really started tapping in the gifts of the Spirit, before I was filled with the Holy Spirit. People would do some weird things. i say, what is that? That's a little weird. And I'd say weird because I've never done that. Now, I've learned some things. I remember one of my first encounters with somebody uh, with being filled with the Holy Spirit. She was giving birth prophetically. First time. Walked into this prophetic retreat. Didn't know what that meant. Walked into this prophetic retreat. And here's this woman giving birth. And all these other women are being spiritual midwives around her. And it was weird. It was very weird. It was not, I was like, what is that? That's strange. What I meant was, that's nothing I've ever experienced. I have not experienced giving birth in the Spirit. Don't think I want to. Never experienced it in the flesh either. No, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Um, But I also know it's something. I've been overcome with travail. So I can relate and I can understand to a certain point. I realize that I am not the sum total of of human-God interaction. And so just because it's never happened to me doesn't mean that it's weird or wrong. So I get that this is hard because we are conditioned to follow rules. We're conditioned to think that anything that we don't do is weird. We like to normalize our experience. So help me, how do I actually start living in faith? How do I start living by the Spirit? Well, you go, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for the times that I've put my faith in institutions, that I put my faith in law, that I put my faith in rules, and not in you. Lord, I repent of that. Please show me the areas in my life that I'm doing that. The areas in my life that I have stood on a foundation of my reasoning and my understanding and my selfish desires to either have that thing go away, not have to deal with that thing, to be protected by that thing that scares me. And I've actually relied on those instead of my faith in you. And there's hope because it's not just something we do by ourselves. I want to end in Galatians 6, chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore them with a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourselves, 
so that you will not be tempted as well. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. We do this as a family. We do this, and I, I, I loved uh, Mark Tubbs' message about we don't let our differences of opinion sever our connection and relationship with each other. And he had actually, I really loved it. He goes, if it's going to be a, a, a sticky, thorny issue and there's not an ability to hold that, because we don't all, I love talking about sticky, thorny issues. I really do. I have a grace for most of them, not all of them. I do have sticky, thorny issues I don't have the grace to do this with. But for a lot of them, I have, an, I have the ability to have a discussion, have a very passionate disagreement, and it not affect how I feel about the person I'm talking to as a person. Not everyone does that. I think everyone has that with some things. We don't have it for every one of our, our um, convictions or beliefs. So recognize that and just don't engage in those conversations. When you know it will break a relationship, step back, out of love, step back. That's what we do. So I loved his message. If you didn't hear it or if you were on the live stream on the church website that got cut off, it's on our website, um, the whole thing, so you can miss whatever part you missed. It's also on our podcast. I encourage you guys to listen to that again because it was very good. Um, and in reading this, it was just, it, it's the message, I think, and it makes sense that um, as we just, you know, just went through the presidential election and there's still some other stuff going on with that, as people are feeling disappointed or people are feeling happy, as we're struggling to say, what will America look like moving forward as we're going through this pandemic? We all have opinions on this. The first thing we need to do is love. And I, and I was really appreciative. I, I, Lori talked about not being able to go on Facebook. My wife couldn't go on Facebook, still can't go on Facebook right now. Uh, I can um, because I'm just more holy than they are. <laughs> um, and there are part, there's things in Facebook that, that did, did kind of frustrate me, but I was really appreciative of all the comments and all the, the memes and all the pictures I was seeing where it doesn't matter who my president is, I know who my king is. Um, it doesn't matter who's in charge on, in America because I know who's in charge of my soul. Chris Valentin's, uh he posted something that made me laugh and I really, really loved it. And he said, uh, this was when, this was I think election day, he goes, wait, let me, let me check, let me check. Oh, wait, Jesus is, Jesus is still on the throne. Okay, I was worried for a second. Because um, that's, that's where we are. Um, I, and I did, I'll share this. Um, I appreciated, I don't remember who posted this and I don't know who the person was. It was a, obviously a Christian leader who has enough of a following on Facebook. But he said, um, it doesn't matter who the, my president is, I will pray for them. I will pray for them as much as I can. I will agree with them where I can. And I will defy them where I need to. And I said, you know what? That's a conviction I can get with. That's an honest, honest conviction. So I just want to encourage you guys. We are called to be the light and salt in this earth. And we do that through our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. When we are in that space, when we are in that field of liberty that is Jesus Christ, our actions will reflect 
the fruit of the Spirit. We'll be empowered by the gifts of the Spirit and we'll be moved by the heart of the Spirit and we will transform and redeem our country, our world, our family, our neighborhood. It will happen. We don't need to put our faith and our trust in anything or anybody else except for that. So Father, I just thank you right now. I thank you that you're in charge. I thank you that you have a plan. I thank you that we submit to it and we're carried along by it and we're blessed through it. And I just pray you show us all the areas in our life that we're kind of resisting that flow, that we're kind of trying to maybe either steer it or trying to stand against it. And I just pray you show us that. And I just thank you that your love is coming into those areas right now. And you aren't bashing us down. You aren't slapping us down. You're just overcoming us. I thank you that you overcome us in those areas with your love. This isn't a painful process. This isn't a hard process, Father. Not right now. This is a season of just submitting and letting you, you, letting you flow through us. I just thank you. I just pray you give us eyes to see internally. Eyes to see internally, Father. I just pray right now that you would show us those dichotomies we have in our life where we actually are holding two opposing ideas that don't actually connect. And you'd start showing us the space there. And Father, fill that space and show us which uh, position we should be taking. And Father, I just thank you that your grace is enough for everything in our life. And Father, we choose liberty, not enslavement. We choose the Spirit, not the law. In Jesus' name, amen.